With me today on our, my second Zoom meeting, uh, I'm getting quite addicted to these podcasts, is uh, Nick McEwen, who I met uh, online on LinkedIn a few years ago. And I, I always noticed about him that whenever he put a post on, whether it's about Notre Dame and the donations there or anything else, he puts some sort of left field views on that he gets massive engagement and reach. Uh, you know, it'd it make Bridget and Oleg blush with embarrassment at the, the reach and engagement they get. So, without further ado, welcome to Nick McEwen. Hello, mate. Happy to be here. Nice and stress-free, this process of setting this up, wasn't it? <laughs> what about two hours trying to download Anchor and coordinate? And then Zoom wouldn't work. And it, it, we just had all sorts of turmoil, but hopefully you'll, you'll be able to hear us. I'm on my MacBook as well. Nick, Nick's in front of me uh, with headphones on, and he, he did have a cap on, a snapback, which I insisted he took off because, you know, he's pretending he's 15. You're such a teacher. I, I know, yeah. Take your cap off, please. Put your feet down <laughs> off the table. Yeah. I've got, on tra- then, I've, got tra- I've got traders on too. Is that all right? Oh, yeah, you're all right. I've got Birkenstock. So I'm, I'm lounging in my office. Uh, right then, Nick. I, I met you a few years ago, as I said in the intro. When, uh, I didn't really know much about you. I just saw that whenever you posted, uh, you got hmm. massive rapport and engagement and banter. And I thought, oh, yeah. I want a bit of this. And uh, I'd like to think of myself as a bit of a poundland, Nick McEwen. In that I don't quite, I don't get quite as much engagement. I'm a being and bargains virgin, uh, but uh, you're someone I, I do uh, admire uh, for your uh, character, and your personality, and your background. So, do you want to do you want to start off telling us? He's got this local yokel accent that sounds like he's from the West Country, and really he's from Portsmouth. Right. Well, I I didn't actually know that I had an accent until I joined LinkedIn, and I did a video when I was on one of my walks before. And someone wrote on there, I don't know what the, the content's going to be like on this, but someone literally said, what the fuck is that accent? <laughs> so, yeah, a bit, bit of West Country, bit of, bit of Cockney, bit of everything in there, I think. Yeah, well, well I, didn't, I didn't know Portsmouth would have an accent like that. I, didn't, I don't know what a Portsmouth accent would sound like. Well, we, got, we, do, we have got funny words um, that not a lot of people say. But in terms of an accent, I think a lot of people sound... Probably a bit more like me, but my like my mum and dad they speak what we call proper Pompey. Like they would say, I'd say I'm going downtown, whereas my mum and dad would say they're going downtown. Oh right, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit of a weird one. It's got elements of Norfolk in it, I can hear as well. Uh, you know. oh, don't know if I accept that, but a bit, bit bumpkin. I'm <laughs> <laughs> going out towards Dorset. Yeah, yeah, it does sound a little bit like that. Uh, right, what, what's your background then, Nick? If you if you're going to just because we read so much about you, but I don't think I've ever heard you on a, po- a podcast or explaining. You know, I, I know you're into uh, marketing. I know you're into walking. I don't know you get yeah. engagement, but other than that, I don't know much about you to be honest. Well, how far do you want me to go back? Um, as far as you want. Well, um, left school, um, not having done too well. Uh, a few reasons for that. I got. Um, I got diagnosed with uh, dyslexia in my last year of school. So it had been a bit of a nightmare. And then I got like extra time on my GCSEs and stuff and got months off for doing that. And then it, so I didn't really do too well. And then I went into construction like everybody else from my town does, because there's not much going on. And yeah, just did that for uh, what, 15 years, something similar to that. And then um, I got into construction management and then had some other stuff going on in life. And I had a bit of just a complete meltdown, really. Like life went to 
to pieces. And then I started working for a company and they asked me to post on LinkedIn and I did and nothing was really happening. And then I did a post, you'll like this, a post about estate agents. Because <laughs> um, they were trying to, basically an estate agent said to me, if you want to move in today, because I needed a house because I was homeless, uh, we can have the paperwork done in two hours. I said, oh, that's fantastic. I can move into a house today. He said, yeah, the, the fees altogether, are, I think it was £630. So I was like, well, hold on a minute. <laughs> are you telling me that you're charging me £315 an hour? And she went, no. I said, well, you just told me it could be done in two hours. So I, I posted about it. And then uh, I only had about four connections and 10 followers. So nothing ever happened on there. And I went to sleep and woke up. And the post had something like 5,000 comments and loads of different likes. And I had loads of new followers. And yeah, it just went from there, really. Oh, wow. How, how, how long ago was that then? Because That saw... was 2016, end of 2016. All oh, right, okay. Now, you, now you've got a massive... How many followers have you got on LinkedIn? Have you reached a limit? Uh, 34,000 or something, I think. Right. You're not a big head, though, are you? You've not got it in... Because it pisses me no. off, actually, these influencers who say... 30,000 connections, follow only. And you think, oh, shut up. Yeah, like I, I, did, I, did, I did change mine to follow only because what, I don't know why, but I got, I did a post um, about, uh, it was about a statue that they built in India. And yeah. it was just after, you're going to love this. And it was just after we had sent them 97 million pounds in aid. Yeah. And they built a statue for 450 million quid. So I basically just did a joke post saying, um, Oh, good to see that aid money going to good use. And then I got like death threats, um, death threats, loads of connection requests from India. And my, my whole thing was just spammed, to be honest. So I was like, right, I'm going to switch it to uh, follow only. And then you got a bit more, a bit more choice about sort of who you're connecting with and who's following you. It just makes it a bit easier. Yeah. Do you get, do you, do you get much hate on there? Because I do. But because oh, yeah. All the time. Yeah. Why is it? Why though? Because you seem to me just engaged in genuine. Um, well, I did a post after the Sandy Hook shooting in America, um, because I saw there was a quite a few prominent Americans saying like we need to give teachers guns, and and I, I basically just did a post. And I, I love America, I do, but I did a post to say like, are Americans really this stupid? And I got, I think it was over a hundred death threats from that. God. <laughs> and then I, I get told apparently because of the because of the I'm more visible on there because of the high connections that I've got a responsibility in the things I say and it's hate speech and all these. It's not a hateful bone in my body. No, but that's that's perceptions. That's how we come across. Like we, like I used to be, I used to be a Tory, and obviously. You're yeah, I'm, not. I'll, I'll, block, I'll block you now because I do like living in an echo chamber. But it's it, no. I basically I was, I was where I was. I politically got turned off to left wing politics in under Tony Blair and the Iraq War and all that sort of thing. And for me, that was enough. I'd had enough of all that sort of thing. And then so I was just milling around voting wise. But then nowadays, nowadays to be conservative in line with the way the conservatives you've got to be pretty right wing and it's like i'm not i'm not really right wing at all i'm kind of centrist and i and i think that a lot of the hate that i get comes from political discussion because 
people like to classify people based on like for instance you're a labor support that it doesn't mean you agree with every single labor policy or decision that's ever been made no but people just go with titles now and it's happening it's, it's, it's basically it's it's us against them politics it's the same as they do in america Oh, yeah. Well, I, I used to be the same. I used to hide my political leanings on LinkedIn and just put anodyne statuses on, you know, about Richard Branson and uh, leadership. And I got zero engagement. Then, I, then I've changed it completely the other way. And now in my bio, it says I'm, I'm left-wing and I don't like yeah. Tories. And, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm alienated 50% of the voters, but uh, so be it. You do, you do have a very low tolerance, don't you, for... Yeah, I do. But I think, I think that stems back, uh, as you mentioned, uh, in the classroom. If, if someone was spouting racist shite in a classroom, mm. I'd bollock mm. him and kick him out. Yeah. I'd, I'd have a right rant. And I, I think I've still got that little bit of teacher in me where I'm still a little bit bossy. And I yeah. like to be in charge of my domain. And if that domain yeah. is printing, uh, I, I, don't, I don't tolerate uh, gammons uh, at all. I, I, I used to argue non-stop on there. And it was kind of like, then I'd have work deadlines creeping up and I think Christ I just spent an hour arguing with someone from Fort Worth in Texas <laughs> about something that none of us are ever going we're never going to meet each other and never going to change it's just I don't, I don't like labels I don't like I don't like assumptions and I don't like the way the way people play the game sometimes and it's happening more and more in this country at the moment it's, it's becoming more Americanized the politics yeah we try to well, yeah, it has to be. It has to, has to be us versus them. It's like at the moment, obviously, with everything going on in the world at the moment, I think people are terrified to to say anything. It's how it seems to me. It's like it seems like there's a lot you can't say at the moment. And obviously, we have marches going on around the world for equal rights and equal humanity, basically. And you can applaud that at the same time as still asking questions about what's actually going on and who's so i saw for instance i'll give an example the black lives matter the other day they changed their website so now they're, they're they've come out publicly and announced that they are anti-israel <coughs> and some of the things that they've said from the higher ups in black lives matter and it's kind of it's it's anti-semitism yeah yeah and, and it's like it's kind of you're you're fighting a race war they, they they see it as that. Yeah, which is a bit self-defeating, isn't it? I think I may have lost connection with you, Nick. Can you hear me? Like human rights for people are human rights. And I don't think it's... I saw somebody... I was going to post it myself, but I'm glad I didn't. But I saw somebody post about just all they did was post about the comment that was on the website that's all they posted i'd be loved to know what people think about this and they got absolutely slaughtered as racist for it yeah but that's not racism do you know what i mean like that, that mm. isn't racist that's not right wing and that's not being a gammon if you like it's just it's just asking a question yeah yeah and i, I hate that about the world look like, what i always loved well, I, always, I love to question things, and I, I genuinely don't mind being wrong. Got no problem with that at all. I'd I'd rather ask a question and know, and someone can say because I did it before when I was going to vote Tory, and then loads of people said, "Look, have you read this? Have you read this? Have you read this? It doesn't align with what you say." 
Yeah, your value. Yeah. And thinking about it at the time, it didn't. Yeah. So I made I made a decision, post on LinkedIn about it, and everybody from your side of the camp loved it. You know, it was like <laughs> the best. It was the best affection in history. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's incredible to drive it. What's the crack with you walking then? Because I see all these uh, big walks across America, across England, oh, yeah. with Matthew Cini and so on. And uh, just what what got you into that? Um, right. So when I was um, when I was unwell, I. Well, I was very unwell, so I was, I was making all sorts of bizarre plans about what I was going to do when I was when I was allowed out. Because a lot of people, some people know, some people don't know. Like I was, I wasn't allowed out. I was actually sectioned, so yeah. I couldn't do what I wanted to do. So I spent, I think it was three, 19 days or twenty nine. I can't remember, but I was in there for a while. Yeah. And after about day fourteen, I was all right. Like I'd sort of. I'd recovered and I sort of understood where it was and what was going on and why I was there. And my mum is a mental health nurse, so she could sort of come and go as she pleased, which yeah. was nice for me. So she'd come in for chats and I'd say to her, look, this is, uh, this is what I'm planning to do. And look, all these plans would work and things like that. And she was like, well, look, just take, just take one step at a time. Just let's, <laughs> let's sort of get you out of here first. And, I can't imagine, obviously, being a professional, how heartbreaking that was for her, because she knew exactly what was going on. Yeah. So I, I made all these plans, and I said, you know what, I think that I could walk to Scotland. And obviously she was obviously looked at me like I had two heads, like I was having another, another moment. But I said, I think I could do it. Anyway, so I came out, and I went straight back to work. I started getting my life back together. I got my own place again. Um, everything was going all right. I moved to Belfast for a while. Um, had a girlfriend over there, and so I was got coming back and forth between Portsmouth and Belfast, and it was just it was a pain in the ass. Anyway, it never worked out. So I came back, and I came back in the end of November in 2018. So I came back from Belfast, and I was kind of like, right, okay, so straight back into work. Don't know what to do now. And I was, to be honest, I was just bored. Yeah. And I'd, I'd been doing, um, obviously the following was growing all the time and I'd done like sort of sleep outs and done a half marathon and other endurance events and stuff. So I thought, you know what, I think I could, I could do something amazing. And then one day I remember clear as day, I had planned it all out for June. I was going to do it in June in my head. I hadn't told anyone. Or Portsmouth to Scotland. Yeah, to Portsmouth to Edinburgh. So like, I told everyone originally in 2016 that I was going to do it. <coughs> Excuse me. And then so it was all planned. I knew where I was going to go. I knew the route. I knew where I was staying, etc. And then on so on the weekend before the walk, I um, obviously I wasn't planning to go for another few months. And then I just I just got this overwhelming feeling of it was a bit like claustrophobia, you know, when you're trapped mm. i just felt like i needed to i needed to get away and do something and i was kind of like well i could go on holiday or i could just get this walk done and i was thinking in my head oh, i don't know i don't know and then yeah on monday morning monday the first of march i think it was i just got up packed my bag and went <laughs> <laughs> and i rung my mum and said look I'm, I'm walking to scotland and she was like well where are you i'm gonna come and pick you up because obviously you need to go see your doctor again and I was like, no, no, I'm fine, but I need, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going to do it. And 
then I posted about it and said to everyone, look, this is what I'm going to do. And everyone, to be fair, when you're, at this point, I'm still recovering. So when you're going through all the stuff that you're going through and all the crap that people have to deal with, plus all the other stuff, like all of this support, look, I always say to people, like it means the world. And I don't think I ever articulate enough what it has done for me, the support. Because it's allowed, if you get <coughs> loads of people telling you you're doing the right thing, you're doing well, and well, it just motivates you a little bit. It gives you that little extra push. Yeah. So, I, yeah, so I did it. And it, it took six weeks and one day, and it rained every day for the first 25 days. And I was in hospital three times, and oh, God. loads of things went wrong. But I made it, and I, I crawled into Edinburgh pretty much. Uh, I, the funny story about the finish was, I was walking down the road with my poles and I was dragging my legs by this time. This was the last day. And then I think it was the night before or the night before that I'd had to walk through the night because I planned to meet uh, Ryan there on the Saturday. Mm. And I needed to be there for them. And I had a hotel organised and stuff. So some old guy, some random old guy, was like, oh, um, are you walking with, I see you walking with walking poles and stuff. And I was like, yeah. He was like, well, I'm going into Edinburgh. I was like, so am I. So it probably... Well, like 15 miles outside Edinburgh at this point. Mm. And I was going to finish at Greyfriars Bobby, which is a little statue there, <coughs> if I don't stop coughing. And um, <laughs> yeah, so I walked with this old guy for ages, just chatting him, telling him about my story and stuff like that. And and then all of a sudden he goes, well, this is where I'm going to leave you. And I was like, oh, all right then, mate. I often thought he was coming to the end. So I was like, no dramas. I said, well, thanks for walking with me and that. And he gave me a big hug and walked off. And I was like, that was a really nice moment. And I turned around and I was actually at the statue. Didn't even realise because I was talking to the whole right, time. And, then, and I was just like, I, I can't explain that feeling to this day. Mm. Like, my legs, my everything just stopped. Like, I couldn't move. I just sort of slumped. <laughs> <laughs> and then my friend Ryan, who was, he rode up there on his bike from Leeds. And he beat me there by five minutes, which I'm still furious about to this day. And he sort of come pick me up off the floor, and I think I was probably in tears. I don't remember. And oh. I sort of, how far sort of, is that? About four hundred miles from uh, Portsmouth. Well, it's supposed to be. Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be four hundred and eighty-one. But I've gone from place to place doing podcasts, talking to people, um, going to meet people that I wanted to meet. So it ended up being seven hundred and twenty-three. Oh, you're mad, man! All together. Yeah. yeah. So. It it wasn't um it wasn't like these expeditions you see where everything's planned out to the finest dot and you know look because sometimes people say to me where are you going to be on this day and I've got absolutely no bloody idea I'll be somewhere so that was that and then I finished that and then as soon as I finished it I had about <clears throat> about two weeks of getting like healing and stuff and I was told I went to a doctor because. I, Long story, but I've got really bad shins, like they're in pieces. And I went to the doctor and I was, he said, look, you can't do anything physically for about nine months because you'll break your legs. Yeah. So, so I was like, oh, fuck's sake. So I, I, instead of moping, because I'd, I'd had like a wobble afterwards because I'd been mostly on my own for the last six weeks and I'd stayed in hotels and fields and tents and I, I hadn't, really been interacting with people that much as much mm -hmm. as I would in normal so I kind of went a bit reclusive 
Yeah. And when I got back, I didn't want people around me. I couldn't go into supermarkets. So it was just, it was just a weird time. So I thought I can't do anything for a few months. So I started planning. Mm. I thought well, I could do the America one. And by this point, sponsors have got in touch and bigger companies wanted to be involved. And so mm. it was kind of, cause they, 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 I think the, while I was on the walk last time, I think altogether, if you added all the posts up, it was something like 13 million hits. Wow. And it was like, well, that's a lot. That's useful. So companies were involved and then it became a bit, a bit too corporate for me. And so I sort of took a step back and said, uh-huh. well, I'm not going to, not going to do anything for now. I'm just going to concentrate on healing. And then I wanted to do the America one. I'd always wanted to do the America one because I'm a big fan of, I watch, always watch documentaries and films about the, the PCT and the AT in America. And I thought, well, if I did it, I'd want to do it a different way yeah. that nobody had done before. So that was my plan. But then obviously I couldn't, I couldn't train, I couldn't walk or anything like that. So it was November. I finished in the April and it was November before, it was November when I walked my first mile again. I did it on a treadmill because um, I, I was useless. I had sticks and stuff. It was awful. And so I did that and it really fired me up and people again got behind me and supported it. And then it came to America. So I'd made, I'd spoke to hotel chains. I'd got everything in place yeah. for America. And then obviously COVID happened. Oh, right. I'd say, yeah. yeah. But at the, at the time, I didn't know, I didn't know where... <coughs> I sound like I'd die before I get there. Um, I didn't know if it was going to be a two-week thing or... But eventually, I, I just thought, you know what, it's better just to... best to fight the bullet on this one and take it. Mm. So I, I replanned it for February, and it took three weeks of phone calls, emails to get everything... The same thing planned, but just logistics, the date moved to so. February. And one of the charities I was supporting was Darien House, and... I thought, well, obviously, as well as as well as me not doing this walk and stuff, they're going to have a fund in Black Hole because of COVID and stuff like that. So I thought, well, I can sit around and mope about it or I can do something. And so I just thought I'd do a short walk in this country while I'm waiting, in essence. So, what's, the short, what's the short walk to you to Wales and back? Well, this one's 220 miles. So it's, <laughs> a short walk. A short walk for me is to a local Tesco. <laughs> it's London to London to Chorley, so it's about, it, I think it's from Westminster it goes. So it works out about two hundred and twenty miles. Why Chorley? Why Chorley? That's where it is. That's where oh, the, right. the hospital. Ah, I see. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's a north of Bolton, isn't it, Chorley? Yeah. Well, I was gonna. I don't really know much about the north, to be honest. But I was gonna go from Portsmouth, and I just thought, well, don't blow your load. Do you know what I mean? Before next year, just do something manageable. It works out about 220 miles from Westminster, so... Yeah. Well, that's like about um, a fortnight. Well, I, I I could do it in eight days. Yeah. If I went on previous phase, but I've given myself 10, sort of 10 and a half. Yeah. Because it's the first big... I mean, I've trained a little bit, not a lot, um, as you can tell. But I've I've done my... I'm sort of ready for it now. It'll take me about 10 days. I mean, average about sort of 22 miles a day. Yeah, I did. I did the coast to coast from uh, St. Bees in Cumbria when I was right. younger, uh, when I was uh, twenty nine, uh, to uh, Wimby, Robin Hood's Bay. 
Yeah, it was uh, back in the days before, uh, you know, the railway and things like that, pre-industrial yeah. revolution. Yeah. Uh, but that nearly killed me. I, I, I hobbled into Richmond, Richie Sunak's place, William Hague, yeah. he used to be the MP there. And I could hardly walk and we were going to give up me and my mate. And mm. I, just, I was like muttering to myself in madness, no pain, no gain. Yeah. And I carried on and I made it because, you know, crossing the Lake District and then the Yorkshire Dales and the North Yorkmoors was a bit of a killer. It is 200 miles, isn't it? Yeah, it's about. I think it's about 199. But when you when you've done the, the diversions, yeah, it, it took us nine days. I stank at the end. I remember how much I smelt. It's, it's, it's not. It's not the most glamorous thing you can do walking. But no. I do. I do remember that that feeling that you had. I've had that. I must have had that feeling 150 times when I was on the Portsmouth to Edinburgh run. There was a time where the worst place, the worst of all of it, was Newcastle. So as I as I was coming to Newcastle, I was by this point I'm dragging my left leg, literally dragging it along the floor, and I thought, well, I've still got over 150 miles to go. Like I'm, I don't think, or whatever it was, I can't even remember, but I don't think I'm going to do it. And this this is the weirdest story. So I, I sat down, and I thought to myself, right, for the first time on the whole walk, I thought, right, I'm going to quit. Like if I have to, mm. I can't carry on like this anymore. I've had enough. And my head was going a bit wobbly and I was just like, oh. and then you start to think of all of the people that have supported you and all yeah. of the people that have done things and come to meet you and cheered you on and my children and, and everything like that. And it was kind of like that. So I thought, well, if I can, if I can get through just today, and this is mid morning. So I was thinking, oh, I can't do this. If I can get through just today, then I'll reassess it when I get to the hotel. But I'd, typed out I, I subconsciously i guess typed out the post mm. say i'd done it on my phone while i was sat there because i didn't know i'd done it until i looked back at it and then I, I looked and i was like read through it and i was like oh no anyway mm. i was like i can't post that so i thought i'm just going to get through to the end of the day and then I, I literally got up and walked around a corner there's some trees and stuff and there's like a motorway and then i see the angel of the north all right yeah yeah and I thought, right, if I can get to that, then then I'll go. I'll make a decision when I get there. So yeah. I dragged myself there. Um, I'm, I'm not even joking. I sort of fell at the feet of it like Chris Salter. I was dead. <laughs> and I was looking up, and I was like, right, I've got to. I've got. I've still got to get to a hotel or something somewhere. I can't just camp at the Angel of the North. And I was like, right, there's a, there was a hotel in. Oh, I can't remember the name of the place, but it was it was about four and a half miles away, something like that. And I was like, right. If, if, and then I said to myself, a little chance, if I can make it to the hotel, then I'm not quitting. Yeah. I can do it. And if I don't make it to the hotel, then I'm quitting. So I was hobbling down the street. <laughs> I carried on, carried on, got to the hotel, and then realized that there's two hotels with the same company, and I was at the wrong one. <laughs> And my oh, one was another three point. I think it was three point six miles on. So I, I asked him. I asked him if I could swap it. And they said no. So I had to. I did the three and a half miles, and I was like, right, that's it. I've done. There's no. There's no. I couldn't be in any more pain than I was in. Yeah. And I'd made. I'd made it there. So that was it. There was no. There was nothing going to be more painful than that. So I thought that that's it. And then after that, I was like a man possessed and. I didn't care about injuries or anything like that. I just walked. 
I didn't limp. I wouldn't let myself limp. I just kept walking and kept walking and kept walking. And then at the end, after two days in Edinburgh, where I hadn't walked or done anything, yeah, my body just fell to bits. Absolutely, just fell to absolute pieces. Because I'm not young. I'm 34. So it was kind of like, it was the first time I'd done any massive level of exercise like that, as it probably in my 30s, to be fair. So I was like... Crazy. Because that, that, that walk from Newcastle to Edinburgh would be horrendous, wouldn't it, with the borders? Yeah, it's not nice. Through Jedburgh and everything. Awful weather. Well, there's nothing there. No. I I drove through it. It's desolate. Yeah. The weirdest weirdest thing about this was the weather got better the further north I went. Yeah. So for the first 25 days, so for 25 days without break, it rained every day. Oh, God. (coughs) All my clothes, my boots, my feet, all ruined after day two. Yeah. So then it was just a case of I was I was literally I was I gave my tent to a homeless man in Newcastle. I was giving stuff. I was just trying to lighten my bag the whole time. I ended up with about two t-shirts and one pair of socks left with no holes in at the end. Set what third pair of walking boots or whatever. Yeah. Just giving stuff away, chucking them away to people. Crazy. But yeah, it was um it was an experience and it set me up for the other things I want to do. And I think most importantly of all. Like there's no, I mean, mentally we all go through stuff and we all have demons and I get that. But if you can combine the mental strength to finish something like that with the ability that I discovered I had to shut out whatever pain I was in yeah, to do what, to do what I needed to do. You know, I don't obviously advocate for people to walk on injuries and things like that, but it is a resilience in me that I knew I was resilient. I knew that I was a fighter and I've come back from all of these different things throughout the course of my life. But this was different. This was proof that I was in control of it. Yeah, yeah. It didn't matter how bad it was. I was in control. And that is, has served me better than anything else mm. throughout my life. That, that, since that happened, since I understood that, I, I'm much more healthy in terms of mentally, probably physically, and just my approach to life. I'm a lot happier. I think my posts and stuff reflect that in terms of how I feel about stuff. There's no rants or controversial statements. It's kind of just, you know, it's from a place of happiness now. And it, it took a long time to get there, but it was that. It sure. Was that exactly. Don't do that. We like, we like the old Nick. <laughs> don't, want, don't, don't want a mature, sensible one. So many people say that, you know, well, you don't write anything controversial anymore. Well, I haven't even seen Oleg on there for ages. He must, he must think he's loving life without me. Because yeah, when I first met you, you used to get banned off LinkedIn. Uh, I, yeah. remember, I remember you did like a portrait of Oleg and Bridget in uh, Curse of Honor. <laughs> Got you fired off. And I've, I've always like thought, oh, I, I wish I could get banned. And I've never managed it. I've been reported that status is removed, but I've never been banned. It was a, I think that one. So I'd been banned once before. <laughs> I think it was for saying, I think I said that me, Oleg and Bridget, I think had a threesome or something like that. And then <laughs> I got I got banned from that one. And I did like, I photoshopped kids with like our heads on them and stuff and who's the dad or something like that. And um, it wasn't great. It was just a joke. And then the next one, when obviously that Kirsty Bonner woman come on the scene and I did Oleg and Kirsty in bed or whatever her name is, and then Bridget walking through the door. I remember that. And that was that was a forty-eight hour ban for that one. And they they did to be fair, they did say to me 
like that's your last your last warning and it was it was kind of like where i thought to myself well i get i must have had well over 500 death threats on there mm. and it's like and i'm gonna get banned for doing a photoshop yeah it's ridiculous isn't it does it does right. it worry you do they, do they affect your mental health if someone's um, trying to kill you or do you just think well the trolls well not really but like at the end of the day i've lived i've lived a bit of a life i know like, I don't worry about my physical safety. Like, if, if someone turns up at your house, then, do you know what I mean? It is what it is. But mm. it's just, it's more it's more a case of, like, in these in this day and age, it's like people doxing other people and putting their public information out there. And, and the thing is, at the moment, if you get banned from, say, say if I was banned from LinkedIn permanently, people could say whatever they wanted about me. And then that's the narrative. Yeah, like I've got this, this, it doesn't matter if it's fake or not real. Or, and I've seen it a few times. There was that um, that woman on LinkedIn. She was convicted. I don't know. She done some sort of child sex thing, and she was writing on LinkedIn, and she was apparently an author now. And she actually attacked me on one of my posts. And I and I was like, I don't know who this woman is. So I looked into it and was like, well, hold on a minute. <laughs> yeah, you've got some... Yeah, so I was kind of like, I don't really know what basis you're judging anybody and mm. where I did that. And it, so obviously I do bits of work for many companies. Obviously people know that now. And she rang every single company that I was involved with saying that I had bullied her and made up rumours about her. And I never had a conversation with the woman apart mm. from on that one post. How weird. Mm. And then, so that, I mean, there is, there is sort of people out there that are, that are absolutely unhinged yeah and, and you've got to be you've got to be work a lot i mean people sometimes people say to me you put too much personal stuff on linkedin and i get that i understand what they're saying but i share what i want to share like what i feel is appropriate don't get me wrong i'm not going to put pictures of my children and the school they go to and all those things do you know what i mean it's just but i will if like if if talking like i did yesterday or the day before talking about our struggle with mental health and the things that and how it affected me if if one person from that one just one says oh you know what it's worth a chat with somebody then i don't i don't buy this whole especially of myself i'm not so arrogant as to think it's me that's changed people's life because i know it doesn't work that simply but if one person from that thinks what i'm going to even talk to somebody Exactly. Rather than then, then it's worth it. But yeah, the caveat to that is you do get like because I put some stuff on there that people think that like I'll try to help anyone, but I, there's only so many hours in the day. Yeah. <coughs> and there was a case a couple of years ago where I I had said like that if you need some support because some of the posts that this lady was putting were alarming. And a friend of mine and me had said, look, if you need some support, get in contact with either of us. And then, obviously, I'd spoke to her a couple of times. My friend had spoke to her a couple of times. And then she said, she did a post something like about, because I, I hadn't seen a message from her. I'll tell you what it was. I hadn't seen a message from her. So I'd had a few conversations on the phone. And I hadn't seen a LinkedIn message, because I don't mean I'll get a lot of LinkedIn messages. 
yeah about all sorts of crap and and some relevant some not relevant and so i hadn't seen it it got lost and then she did a post like um why say you're going to help people if you're not going to bother with like a picture of me and it's like yeah, great. i mean the, the 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 message was one day before yeah like, i just hadn't seen it for one day yeah because because just got lost in my messages and that's the that's what worries me about things like that is the narrative if you can't defend yourself like if you get kicked off or it's like okay, twitter yeah. like, you go mad but you love twitter don't you whereas like, i think it's oh no I don't, no i don't like twitter i go on there just to keep a presence because uh, you know yeah. i can't claim to manage people's social media and then they look at get pro copy and think well you don't do anything on there <laughs> uh, i'm on them all you know i'm on pinterest i'm on instagram uh, yeah. but uh, my main platform is uh, linkedin uh, I do like you. I manage other people's and company pages, but uh, it's a different voice that I use. It's not this yeah. crazy, sarcastic left-wing voice. People don't <laughs> want that because uh, no one can tap me on the shoulder and say, "Have you got a minute, Stuart? You do a bollocking yeah. what you post." Yeah, I hate that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, no one can do that now. Uh, so I'm comfortable in my own skin, if you like. I'm in a lucky position. I know that. So, what, what are your plans for the future, then, Nick? Um, well, first of all, I'm going to try and get you banned from LinkedIn so I don't have to see your car over again. <laughs> I'm going out in that in a minute. I'm taking, how bourgeois is this for a socialist? I'm taking my daughter to piano lessons. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. George Orwell. Um, are you, have, did you get rid of your other car? I'm, I'm leading you into this because I know how much you want to talk about it. No, no, no. I got rid, we had two BMWs. We had an X3, which has been paid yeah. for by uh, a LinkedIn contact. I called her car because she she was paying a monthly retainer, um, and then I had a one series which uh, I didn't like because we got the X3 and it was uh, it, the X3 is wonderful because it's you know an expensive car. Is the one series the one that's kind of in between an estate and a four by four? Yeah, yeah, it's like a small hatch, like a golf, and it, yeah. it it came to a time where we had to pay it off on a PCP or get rid, uh, and I decided to get rid. And I said to my wife, we don't need two cars. She only works down the road. And then suddenly, because of lockdown and because my business has done really well and I've got a pension and a pension pot, I've decided to blow money on a Volkswagen up GTI. Right. So I've paid cash for it, uh, which yeah. is a bit stupid because, you know, cars depreciate. Yep. Uh, but I've always got this thing, and my wife calls me pathetic, that, you know, I'm going to die at 65 and therefore I need to live life to the full. And I've used it since I was about 12. Well, that was eight years ago. So. <laughs> Yeah, nice one. <laughs> yeah, so, but I, I mean, but I'm in good health mentally and physically because I've, I've been through similar to you, uh, not quite yeah. as dramatic uh, uh, or as uh, harrowing, should I say, not dramatic. That's the wrong word. Uh, but uh, I decided, you know, YOLO, you only live once. Okay, I'm going to yeah. buy a car. And I bought a silly car. It's a bit of a noddy car. Uh, if you, is it, you've got no floor and you run with your feet. Like, <laughs> no, it's actually. It's actually quite fast. It's 115 horsepower, but it only weighs a ton. Weighs a bit more when I get in. Uh, and yeah. the and uh, but it, it's it's only it's a, a one liter engine, but it, it, it doesn't have zip because it's so light. The power to rate ratio is ratio is great. Uh, yeah. so, I do get raced in it, and people look across expecting like a a 22 year old or a 17 year old in this up GTI, and they see this 55 year old bloke. And uh, you know, I do like racing. But you feel like when you're doing 60 on a dual carriageway, you feel like you're on the autobahn doing 140 because it's so do small. You feel, do you feel good that I asked you about it? So you got to... Yeah, I'm really pleased about that. Yeah, I I'm going to go out in a minute uh, in it. But, you know, my wife disapproved. And, uh, uh, but I just thought, well, I'll buy it. And, it, you know, it's not, it's not a Porsche money. It's not Bentley yeah. money. It, it just, 
amount of money that I got from a, a pension sum. And I thought, oh, I'll blow it. And I know, I know it's stupid, you know, I should have invested it in property or in ISA. But, <laughs> you know, I'm earning enough. My business is doing well. So I think, oh, fuck it, I'm spending. Are you still doing the estate agent stuff? Now and again, yeah, I get asked about property. I'm not, I'm not running a company uh, that, uh, at the moment. I did run uh, Farrell Walton. I did work for estate agents locally. And I ran Nesting Norfolk. Uh, but yeah. what I now do is write for estate agents constantly. Yeah. Uh, so, but I, don't, and I get asked to sell a house. I had two in Somerset, where you're from. Uh, <laughs> and I, I tried to sell those, but it didn't work out with the moved agents. But, you know, there's no money in it, estate agency. And it, because... Uh, that's why they charge 650 quid to get you in in two hours because there's no money. Most of them are, you know, I, there's about 10 locally. I can, I can say there's only two I actually would uh, nod and say good morning to. Uh, yeah. The rest are tossers, uh, you know, but I think it's right. a native estate agency. So that's, so that's, you just leave that as it is, just doing the yeah, social so media. I'm, I'm doing web design and uh, social media marketing and writing and, um, I'm, I'm, I'm lockdown has been. I know this sounds awful because it, it sounds really braggy, but I'm like that. Lockdown has been really good for me as a business. Yeah, I, I, I must have. I haven't done too bad. Like yeah. it, might, it could, have, could have been better, could have been worse. But when it all started happening, I was kind of thinking, oh, I know, I think I'm gonna have to go on another walk <laughs> just, just to pass the time. But, um, but yeah, no, it was, it's not been too bad. Obviously, well, I, I, I hate I seeing everyone losing their jobs now. Oh no, it's awful, isn't it? I lost the social media marketing, but then everyone got bounce back loans and furloughed and suddenly decided to set up a business because they got yeah. quite into working from home. So the website's exploded and the writing yeah. actually come back and the social media is coming back. Uh, so I owe eight pounds for a web domain. So. <laughs> that, that, uh, that expired the other day. And I, I thought about it because it's like that scab on your knee that I, I think I mustn't pick that. It's only eight quid. But part of me from Yorkshire really still needs eight quid for the domain name. I need. I, don't, I do actually need a website done. Um, Stuart, Stuart builds websites. If anyone wants one, definitely. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I've done a few. I've done Mike Winners, but he's never published it. So I'm hoping he uh, gets uh, into gear and gets it live. Him and uh, Ian and uh, Jack the Banner Boy. We've taken on your employee yeah. as well. Uh, so I've done it. Uh, I've done quite a few uh, websites for, for people who are big on LinkedIn, shall we say? Is uh, that your is that what you'd rather do? Is that your favourite? No, I'd rather I'd rather walk the dog and drink San Pellegrino and do nothing. Uh, but I, I, I've got such an expensive materialistic lifestyle. You know, yeah. that I go in the Apple Store and I have to spend. And money motivates me. I know that is a really sad admission. Well, how much money? How much can sparkling water cost? You know I mean? well, it, we, have a, we have a really we have a really comfortable lifestyle. But what what I'm saying is, if I if I've got an iPad Pro and I think I want a, a slightly better one, a newer one, the latest yeah. model, I'll swap it and buy another one. And you know, I won't think twice about it. I do waste a lot of money. You just do what you want. I do what a I want. Hedonistic lifestyle you lead. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm, I'm too total, uh, so I don't get pissed anymore. Uh, yeah. I don't do anything risque. We don't go on massive holidays or anything. Uh, but I do like. I do like consumerism. Where was your last holiday? Edinburgh, and that was a disaster. Oh yeah, you had a dodgy sandwich, didn't you? Yeah, we 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 me and my daughter uh, got poisoned. Uh, dog hated <laughs> it. Dog walked, walked all the way around Edinburgh with his tail wedged between his legs. Lovely. And my wife had a TIA, a mini stroke, while we were there. 
Jesus. Uh, we've got the house up for sale, and first thing I did when I got home was uh, pull the for sale board out of the uh, lawn. Like, right, I was like, uh, thinking out of, um, uh, uh, what's, what's it called? Mel Gibson. Freedom! Oh. Uh, and I, I ran around the back with a board and threw it in the back garden because uh, it was just a, an unmitigated disaster. Beautiful city, really nice yeah. people, but the weather was shit. It was cold. Yeah. A anything that could go wrong went wrong. Yeah. And uh, I thought, we can't live here, uh, you know, no matter what I think of Nicola Sturgeon and the politics. Uh, I'll just I think you were, you, were, you were riding the crest of a wave, weren't you? And I think that all of your, all of your Scottish socialists of all us were saying, come, come live in Scotland, it'll be amazing. Yeah, it, I think it is. Uh, but, but then you, you have got anti-nationalists, uh, as I found on LinkedIn the other day. You know, where you, you do get people who absolutely hate Nicola Sturgeon and yeah. uh, Boris Johnson. So, you know, again, it's just as divided as here. Uh, but it's, it's colder and wetter. Would you go for, I'm interviewing you, would you go for a beer with Boris if he asked you to? Oh, only to throw it on him. You'd have a San Pellegrino. But... Uh, yeah, I'd have a San Pellegrino. No, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go with him. Uh, I, know, uh, I know Russell Quirt was at Zoom meeting, uh, uh, what's he called, that Somerset bloke, Jacob Rees-Mogg. Yes. He had a Zoom meeting with him and, uh, you know, I, I think, oh, I can't imagine anything worse. Although Brandon Lewis, my MP, who's a, not Secretary of State for Northern Ireland, he always calls me Stuart, Stu when he sees me, even though he knows really? I'm, I'm, yeah, he's on first name terms with me. And because uh, he did help me out in a, a crisis and pushing Tory agendas here. He, yeah. he, he was actually very good in the coalition government. Uh, not all bad, are they? No, they're not. And I, I need to remember that. I need to be a bit more measured in my approach. But I've always been a bit of a firebrand uh, politically. I think That's it's the way to be. Stand up for what you believe in. Yeah. Especially on pieces of LinkedIn, if people are coming to work with you, they know what they're getting. Exactly. And I'm, I'm quite straight and honest. And uh, I don't, I don't charge ridiculous prices for websites. I'm not. I've, I've, my prices have gone up. I keep saying this to people. People say, "Oh, we used to do websites for 200. Not anymore. Yeah. Should have got one done quick. I, mean, I don't do that anymore. Forget that. But the quality's gone up as well because I'm, I'm better now than I used to. Yeah. Be. Right now. Yeah, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I've got to go because I've got to get in my Volkswagen up GTI and race someone to the piano lessons. It's a, is it electric? No, no, it's uh, it's petrol. Uh, petrol? Yeah, petrol, yeah. Uh, me and Greta disapprove. <laughs> I know. It's been great talking to you, mate. And I'll, I'll, I'll stick this on my website and post a link on LinkedIn. And let's see how many visits I get to the website. Uh, it was like hooking a big fish and reeling it in. <laughs> Never been described like that, but I kind of like it. Yeah. Cheers, Nick. Thanks a lot again. Bye. Thanks for listening to my podcast with Nick McEwen. If you'd like to feature on one, just drop me an email at info at getprocoffee.com or send me a message via any of my social media channels. I hang around on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest at getprocoffee.com